In episode 8.3 of Unshuffled, we discuss the third album from Cavalera Conspiracy. It's called Pandemonium. Let's get to it. Welcome listeners, welcome back to long-time listeners, welcome to first-time listeners, welcome to Unshuffled. It's been a while, we always say that. I'm your host, Matt, and as always, I'm going to welcome my co-host, my man in Japan, Mr. Scotty D. Matthalomew, it is uh, great to see you again, great to uh, great to do this again. I'm excited, I'm ready to talk about this album. But yeah, yeah. it's been a while, but you're right, we always say that, don't we? We always say that life gets in the way sometimes, mm. but, uh, you know, it's just meant more time with this album. So we've got a lot to say about today's album and uh, the band we're discussing today uh, in Unshuffled is Cavalera Conspiracy. The album is called Pandemonium. Scott, why don't you talk us through the album and then we'll uh, we'll get into it. All right. The release date was, first off, this is their third album. Uh, the release date was October 31st, 2014. This is a yeah. Halloween baby right here. Uh, it was, so I have that it was produced by Max Cavalera. I don't know that there was any other, I couldn't find evidence of any other producer. I know you've got the physical media right in front of you. Mm. Um, it's on Napalm. And it was recorded at Loud Audio Recording in Glendale, Arizona. I was wondering when we were going to get to Arizona with these guys, because I know that's where they are. At least that's where Max lives. So I, I assumed at some point he was going to keep it close to home. Um, again, I don't know if this is his studio, which seems like he could have one. Busy fella. Uh, lineup, we've got Max and Igor again. They're, they're definitely our... Um, this whole thing revolves around them. Uh, Mark Rizzo. Uh, on guitar, which I just heard a bit of news about Mark Mark Rizzo recently. That Do tell. Uh, I I heard he's no longer in the band. Oh, okay. I heard that he has since left Cavalera Conspiracy, but I believe Is he he's still doing Soulfly. Soulfly? Okay. I think he's still doing Soulfly. Yeah, I think he just left this. Um, and then we had Nate Newton on bass. We got kind of a um, Spinal Tap revolving drummer bass situation here with this band. I think we've had, what, a new bass player every album. Uh, so we've moved on from, was it Johnny Chow on the last one? Johnny Chow on the last one. To Nate Newton. Yeah. On this one. Yeah. Interesting, in the um, in the photo you see, the publicity for the band, it really does focus on the three of them, the Cavalera boys mm-hmm. and Mr. Mm-hmm. Rizzo himself. Um, but, yeah, the bass player, as you said, it does seem to be a revolving door situation. Uh, Nate Newton, I've seen this guy live. I've seen him live in Melbourne. He plays in a band called the Doom Riders. You familiar with Nate's work? <laughs> no, but I'm a, I love the way you say Doom. And so any, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, what is no, it? I don't know. You got. I, I've noticed whenever we talked about like Doom metal, you've got a. There's, there's a. It doesn't matter. Anyway, no, I've never Doom. heard of the Doom, <laughs> the Doom Riders. I've never heard of them. 
Well, that's why I want our next band to be a doom metal band. But anyway, yeah, we'll get to that. too, actually. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Nate Newton, he's, he's in a band called the Doom Riders. And um, they, they played in a little pub in Melbourne. I, I don't know quite what genre you'd put them in. Um, but uh, he is... He does handle the is vocals. Is he Australian? No, 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 no. No. American guy. Um, oh. But yeah, impressive uh, artist in his own right. And nice to hear what him make some contributions on this. What else is he? I'm actually embarrassed that I haven't done any sort of even research. That's not research what we're about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here he we says, go. Okay, Google, I just found him. Yeah. You're Googling? Good. Go tell us. Yeah. Uh, he was in a band called Converge, I don't know, in a band called Cave In, I don't know, in a band called Old Man Gloom, I don't know, but I I, I want to know. I, I do love that name. Um, I know uh, you're joking about Converge, right? No, I don't know Converge. It's a hardcore punk oh band. God. I don't know Converge. Oh, okay. Should that have Old been Old Man Gloom? Life? You've never heard of Old Man Gloom? No. Okay. You know Old Man Gloom? Yeah, Old Man Gloom. Uh, one of my, I, I reckon I've listened to, there's an album of theirs called Seminar 3 Zozobra, which is just brilliant. And um, yeah, and can, you know, Converge, Jane Doe, and it, like, you know. I don't think I do. But you do know Converge. The sort of screaming, and just full on crazy, crazy. They're pioneers of mathcore. Well, now I get why you're. Um, no, I really, I, I can't. I mean, just so you stop yelling at me, I feel inclined to say <laughs> yes. But, but, but all right, you got some homework to do. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Um, here's I like this little factoid on on, on Wikipedia. He's a vegetarian. He's a vegetarian except for meatball sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, oh, and then it's right. got like his rig. It goes like it gives the whole. He, oh, he plays a stingray. Oh, that's that's my dream base someday. Mm. I want a music man stingray. Mm. I'm embarrassed that I forgot he was in Converge. Yeah, Old Man Gloom has a Christmas album. <laughs> <laughs> they do. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure it's uplifting. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, that's uh, that's Nate Newton. Yeah, that's Nate. He's uh, he, he's very well known. Anyway, and um, yeah, converge. I'm, I'm gonna, I might have to edit some of that out. Just I think all that needs to stay in, <laughs> including <laughs> this conversation, so people can see how the uh, how the sausage is made. All right, fair enough. Um, so yeah. Long story short, I have seen Nate Newton. He is in the Doom Riders. Converge is not really my thing, so it's okay. And I, I understand they're not. They're, you know, so, it's probably not up your alley either. So you're done but, yelling uh, at me about it? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> uh, but Doom Riders very good. You might like them. And um, yeah, nice to hear Nate. And he makes a few contributions other than bass on this. He contributes some vocals here and there, mm-hmm. which we can discuss as we get into it. Anything else on? I think you've covered all the details there. We we haven't yet got into the cover artwork, though. That was I was going to introduce that next. Well, let's do it then. So the I'm going to not get this name right, but I'm going to go ahead and give it a te- an attempt. Mm. Uh, That's Stephen, what we do. 
<laughs> Steven Deutschnoff. Is that close enough? The man is Deutsch, the Deutsch to his mates. Um, but it, it, anyway, this album cover seems to be styled after Dia de los Muertos, which is completely different from what we had done on the first two album covers, which was more minimalistic. Yeah. And I liked sort of that minimalistic. Uh, but this is a really cool cover as well. Um, I don't really know what's going on. Seems to be some sort of like uh, Dia de los Muertos skull, which I believe is called a calavera. Um <laughs> And, and a paint roller of some sort. There's some sort of like MC Escher-esque thing happening. Uh, yeah. There are flags burning in the background. Uh, yeah. The words Machina, Babylonia, Pandemonium, which I mean is fitting, uh, are all sort of written across. Yeah, the well, there's Deus Ex Machina, which is um, one of the bonus tracks. Uh, is up the top there. Yes, there's a f- I think this guy does murals, and it's got a very mural look mm. about it. I love this artwork. Yeah. And, you know, we, we sort of commented on the, the aesthetic they had going with the first two. It was a very simple one. This is very different. But I'm really happy they've changed here. I think this is brilliant artwork. And I love the, like the colors, you know, the yellow and green. So we've got the Brazilian colors there in the palette. Um, I've got the CD and, and it comes, there, there, there is some advertising for a Brazilian Brotherhood edition, which comes with this. A uh, really cool-looking Cavalera oh, conspiracy flag postery thing. That, that's you know, really cool. Colors. Uh, I don't have that, but um, yeah, I, I think they've, they've deliberately chosen the colors of Brazil and some cool imagery. You know, is the, that can yeah. you? Is that Cavalera conspiracy symbol on there anywhere? Yeah, it is behind the behind. So. When you take the CD out, it sits in. You can see it in there behind. Right, right, right. But I mean, on the front cover, like is it front cover? No, I think this is. I think this is a work of art that's that they just sort of adopted. Yeah, um, maybe. I mean, well, it's got the Panama. It's got the words related to the album. That's true. That's true. But yeah, I I, I don't. It it still feels like a work of art, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I don't think he wanted to compromise the band's logo in there for that reason. I love the coffin eyes of the skull with this sort of void sitting behind them. There's a factory with um, crosses on it. A lot of symbolism in 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 there. The yeah, I, I really like this. I really like this cover, and um, I thought it set a really good tone for the album. Um, so yeah, certainly I think their best cover artwork so far. I'm yeah no I'm in agreement. Okay, with all that said, it's time, as we always do, to dive into the track by track. And the first track is called Babylonian Pandemonium. Would you like to do the honors, Mister Scotty D? Sure. <clears throat> um, Lead us away. All right. the The thing about Cavalier Conspiracy is that they have great opening tracks, and and I think it continues with this one. Hmm. In the sense that where you sort of, you, you put it on and they give you kind of, you know, those first opening riffs or whatever, give you a lot to work with and kind of give you a style of what's coming up. Um, this one, they have the opening drums. That opening drum fill is awesome. Um, there's sort of, the voice sounds like it's being modulated down. I don't, I don't know what's happening. I think that since we're doing such this intentional 
sort of deep dive on this band, I never really realized how um, their signatures to Max Cavalera's singing. Like like James Hetfield has, you know, all those, Ooh, <laughs> like those kind of things that he does. He has like those James Hetfield signatures. Max Cavalera has them too. I can't, I can't impersonate his, but it, I am now noticing more than I ever have before. I know when he's singing because he's got these like just little signatures on his style. And, and, and this album kind of starts off with that. Um, even though the voice sounds are mod- it sounds modulated down. And uh, the chorus has a bit of a, I don't know why, it reminded me a bit of the, the Wizard of Oz, the flying monkey chant, sort of to its kind of chord, chord progression. Hmm. Um, and then we've got sort of another history lesson here, uh, dealing with Babylon during the Persian conquests. They get, uh, they get biblical here. This stuff's all, this stuff's the, uh, the background for the Bible. It's not one of the shorter songs on the album, it's about average, I think, to the length of a song on the album. But it felt it felt kind of quick. It felt like it got in and got out. Yeah, I agree. I love the um, that it for me that opening sort of fifty seconds or so. Those effects at the start were very Scott Burns era. Mm. Took took me back mm-hmm. to a rise, basically. And I know we, we're not supposed to mention Sepultura too much, but that certainly was very a rise era for me. And uh, agree with you on the voice. This remember I mentioned Dan Carlin, his podcast, his history podcasts mm-hmm. on the last one. Well, he happened yeah. to have, he happens to have done a series on on Babylon as well. So, oh. uh, maybe Max is a listener. Who knows? I was going to say, I wonder if you and Max are listening to the same podcast. I, I think we might be. A lot of the a lot of similar ingredients. So you know, it doesn't look like there's going to be certainly from this song. You don't think, oh, there's something new here, but. There does in the guitars. There does seem to be a bit more howly. Sort of, there's a bit more howl in the in the layers, and um, yeah, it's got a really urgent feel to to that opening track. Like Eagles, really sort of pushing them along. You know, this second track. Speaking of Dan Carlin, he also did a series on on Japan. I, I'm building my case that Max listens to this podcast, so. Dan Carlin's series on Japan was called Supernova in the East. And this one is very much about Japan, where, where you are now. This is about the, I guess, the mentality of a kamikaze pilot, um, which, you know, when you think about it, <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting psychological study, let's put it that way. I mean, um, that, that people did that is amazing. We had a nice sort of backtracked drum sound to kick it off. A lot of similar elements to the first song, galloping riff, driving <clears throat> drums. Max's vocals were up a little bit in the chorus. Or maybe it's Nate. Maybe it, it might be Nate Newton in the chorus. I'm not sure. Oh, you're right. It might be, yeah. actually. Yeah, so there's a vo- certainly a vocal change in the chorus, whether it's Max's vocals coming up or Nate Newton. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. So yeah, very fast driving song, and then but then after the final chorus, and just when you just think, oh man, this this is all going to be a bit perhaps relentless, then you you do get a payoff in this song, a reward for the listener after six minutes of of pretty relentless pummeling to this point, you get a breakdown, and it's an incredible one when that air raid siren rings out. Mm. I mean that's 
just an incredible musical moment for me. You know, the, it goes so well with what they're singing about and it fits in with the music. I, I just really enjoyed that moment of the song and, and uh, it was one of my favourite moments of this band, certainly, uh, so far. So love the finish of this song. What were your thoughts? So going to the his- the history lesson of this, and I'd be curious to listen to the podcast too, but there's this great uh, manga series called Barefoot Gen. Have you read it? No. No, okay. And the whole thing is the the very first, I, I think there's like 10, 10 issues of it, but the very first one is set leading up to and it ends with the the bombing of Hiroshima and it's it just revolves around a family living in Hiroshima doing their day-to-day life and then the end of the very first issue ends with the bombing this book was super controversial when it first came out in like the 70s or 80s and it was really controversial because it highlighted the fact that by April of 1945 there were several people in Japan who were just saying look this war's over it needs to end this, we can't go on with this any further. It's done. And so I think what you have the story of this song is this kamikaze pilot who realizes the war is over. And so this is the idea that he has to give his life for the emperor for what's now 100% a lost cause, mm. right? This idea that you're not sacrificing your life to win the war. Now you're just sacrificing your life out of duty. Anyway, because there was sort of this mention somewhere, I can't. I need to go back to the lyrics, but the, this idea of it sort of being around April. Um, and this song, as, as far as thrash riffs are concerned, the song I feel like has like the one of the ultimate thrash riffs. There's that moment where, in case you weren't paying attention, he even yells out thrash, right? Mm. <laughs> just, just so you're aware. I, yeah, no, I, re- I really like this song. And I, I like, I don't know, I like where the history lessons are going of this album. I felt like the history lessons of the last album were maybe a little on the nose. I feel like now we're kind of getting we're getting a little bit deeper here. I think we're we're going a little bit further into into Max's interest levels, mm. um, which then leads us to uh, track three, which is called "Scum," and I believe this one is the shortest one on the album, coming in at just under two minutes and thirty seconds. Uh, what in my notes? What I have written down is "Wall of Chugga Chugga." <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, I, I don't know if that's a technical term. Um, the the drums aren't constant, which I really like. It you, you kind of talked about the sort of after six minutes, there's that breakdown and where things relent a little bit. But I like that the drums sort of make these kind of cool rhythm changes, and uh, the air raid sound still continues in this track. Whereas the guitar is sort of, it has this air raid sound and then they kind of just ascend down into the power chords. Like I feel like, and I'm going to end up talking more about him, I think after this track, Mark Rizzo seemed to have been given sort of just like a clean palette on this album. And they were like, just you get after it, go, go do what you do. Cause I feel like he does some really cool things basically from this song to the end. Mm. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't have too much to add to what you've said there. Um, it is a short song, so uh, I don't know lyrically who it's aimed at, but it's clearly someone who Max doesn't like very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of anger in the lyrics, and, and um, there is still a groove here. It's thrashy and heavy, but there is there is a hint of groove here, and, and I like it. The next one, uh, I Barbarian, I guess. 
There's a bit of history there too. We're talking sort of fall of Rome here. So, uh, you know, the role of the barbarians in, in, in that part of history. Anyone, to, anyone who's played Civilization know how damn annoying those barbarians can be in the early stages. It's another fast one. The drumming in this one is truly incredible. There seems to be some form of sibling rivalry going on, In I, I think. I don't know if it's Max kind of punishing Igor <laughs> and saying, no, no, you, you have to play this. Or, or maybe it's the other way around. I, I've, I'm, I've sort of tossed between those two options. Maybe Igor's trying to prove something to Max here. But there seems to be some something going. It reminded me of the film Gattaca. You remember, have you seen Gattaca? One of my yeah. favourite science yeah, fiction yeah. films where the, the two brothers are kind of very competitive and they just sort of keep pushing each other further and further out. They're trying to see who can swim the furthest out into the ocean in, at night. And they just keep going and going to their own detriment. Uh, um, there is a breakdown in this one. And um, it felt a little roots, rootsy again. So there's a, you know, to bring Sepultura up again. And, uh, and Rizzo is, is great again. There's a really good sort of the, the whale, the wailing Rizzo's. There's the slower riff towards the end. I think this is a superb song. I'm really enjoying this album to this point, and this is just um, you know another a, another killer song. So so far, it, it's really rocking. Hope you enjoyed it too. Yeah, no, I did. Um, again, I, I really liked how the chorus plays with space. I like that uh, they're they're using um, they're not filling. I feel like the first album it was just kind of trying to fill everything with something. And in this one, they kind of allow sort of breaks, just even even just momentary. Um, I like the tempo changes. It goes the verse to the chorus, uh, but also into the bridge. Again, the, the guitar solo is just class, right? It's, it's superb. Got, it's got the clean sweeping arpeggios against like this industrial backdrop. Yeah, again, I mean, again, it, it, like I don't mean to, to give anything away here, but... Ritz was just all over this album for like, he just absolutely added amazing layers to this album, which takes us into track five, um, which is my favorite track on the album. Cru- I'm not going to get this one right. Uh, you're the one learning Portuguese. Yeah. Talk Cramunhal. Cramunhal. All right. So Cramunhal, uh, which I think might be the longest track on the album, 528. And uh, yeah, it is. And so as I understand it, this is like a type of, (laughs) it's either a type of devil or it's a chicken egg fertilized by the devil. My, my, Hmm. my Google translate went a couple of directions on this one, but basically the idea that a person makes a pact, takes this egg home and then from the egg springs this little devil and that little devil will serve the person. As I understand it, that's a, Kramunyao is like a, a devil that kind of does your bidding. Anyway, as I said, I think it's my favorite song on the album. Uh, Mark Rizzo, again, just goes off on this with the crescendos, the decrescending riffs, the swells. I, I like the story behind the song. Uh, he name drops Inflicted, which if we remember from from before, uh, that was supposed to be, uh, that was going to be the band name. Mm-hmm. It was going to be Inflicted. They go ahead and 
just remind us of that. Um, the the breakdown, the bass and drums at the end is is really cool. I just I like the song. I like I like the story behind it. I like the guitars. I like uh, I like the breakdown, the ending of the song. Yeah, it's probably to this point the it's not a certainly not a slow song, but it's the closest to mid tempo they've gotten on this album so far. Um, but you know, and the, but there are some tempo changes, but yeah. Perhaps a touch more melody, a little bit more light and shade than than the first four songs. And yeah, you're right about Return. Um, he's he's done it again on this one. Uh, the next one's called Apex Predator. Now, I've got the CD. I don't have, but I'm guessing maybe this is the first song on side two. I'm guessing Cremonia finishes side one, and this one is mm. the first on side two. We we always try and guess. It's kind of meaningless these days, but. Uh, I still like to guess where. Well, I think is. some bands still pay attention to that. Yeah, to me, it's important. Right. Um, this one, it uh, now Igor is in. He, he sort of dabbles in electronica, um, the more so than than metal these days. And the, and the second half of this album, this is the first, I think, song that really has a little bit more of, of experimentation with the electronic effects and, and, and sounds that you can get out of a guitar or in a studio and with the vocals as well. And, and I lo- also love the bass rumble in, in the opening section of this. You know, the bass players have, have sort of taken a back seat so far with this band, but it's nice to hear them a couple of times on this album and, and this, this song in particular where they really come to the fore or where Nate Newton really comes to the fore. It sounds great. There's some nice layered vocal effects throughout. And, um, yeah, I guess it feels a little bit more futuristic given the studio effects and and the layering they use throughout. It's a real studio song, this one, I think. It's very well crafted. Just over three minutes, but um, it showcases all parts of the band working really well together. And it's got, you know... Lyrically and and in the sound, there's a real sort of sci-fi vibe to this, and um, yeah, I enjoyed it. You? Uh, well, here again, I literally have nothing more to add. I wrote, I wrote this song showcases the rest of the band. It has a sci-fi element to it. <laughs> oh, um, there you go. Let's, almost let's move word on to the next word. one. Well, I did say that I also mentioned that this song gives a lot of space for Rizzo to kind of go off a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the, the bass drums come through exactly as you just said. Yep. So, all right. Which will take us to Insurrection. Mm-hmm. Track seven. Mm. So while I was listening to this, I was listening to this album. And then I went on a, uh, like, a Chrissy Hind. Like, I went down a Chrissy Hind rabbit hole. Well, there's an obvious link from... Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. (laughs) And I think it was this song that sent me down that road. Well, clearly. I I don't know how you could listen to this and not (laughs) immediately think of Chrissy Hahn. And first off, she's doing like this whole like acoustic solo tour in in England over the next month, which how amazing would that be? But anyway, something about the opening drum of this song... I realized what it was. It reminded me of Middle of the Road by the Pretenders. <laughs> and so when this song would start, I would find myself going, woo, woo, and, uh, yeah, and what follows is very different, of course. But there was something about this that took me down that Chrissy Hind 
path. This song reminded me, so I'll bring it up. I haven't yet. Reminded me a lot of early Sepultura. Uh, I think more so than than many of the other songs that we've heard, although you've mentioned two others on this one. The instrumental outro of this song is really interesting because it feels like it's another song entirely. Mm. Like it doesn't even feel like it's part of the song. It's really cool, but it was it was just interesting when it comes up where it's just like, well, that feels like a different song. But it, it works. It fits. But why didn't they make it a different song? Doesn't matter. But anyway, that was my thought. Yeah, I love that bit at the end. It, different song. It almost feels like a different album. Like the production yeah. is is quite different. I I got some Kerry King vibes in the. There's a. It's mm. sort of open for the solo, and, I, and there's a bit of Kerry King in that. I get that Chrissy uh, Hind or Kerry King. Yeah, one or the other. <laughs> uh, two sides of the same coin, really. Um, little bit of verse, a little, sorry, a little bit of groove in the verses, and um, I I have heard them interviewed, and there was a sort of deliberate attempt by Max to just stomp on any groove at all that was creeping in, but there there are little moments throughout this album where where just a little hint of groove starts to poke through. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't keep it out completely, and then to me the the massive riff at, at the finish, I just love it. Uh, it gets me out of my seat every time I, it can't, it comes on. And, um, that bit alone, I, this is up there for my favorite song. I know the end bit's different, but I love it so much that it, it, it just, I look forward to hearing this song because I know it's got that bit coming up at the end and it, I feel they actually build up to it pretty well. Like it doesn't come out of nowhere. It's not like, well, what is this to me? It, there is a definite. Right, there's something big coming soon. Here it comes. It's coming now. Here it is. And then and then you get it. So I, I, I feel like they, they built up to it. And, and um, yeah, I just love it. I love the, the last bit of this song. Superb. It's just great metal. The next song is called Not Losing the Edge. And, again, we have a little hint of electronica. Interestingly, they haven't done anything in the way of music videos on this for this album they did do one for the previous album the closest they got was a lyric video for this song so they obviously thought pretty highly of this particular song and i do too i I really like it there's a hint of electronica in the opening and then there's that unusual sound behind the opening riff which you sort of think oh is that a guitar but looking at the credits i think it's actually a sitar Hmm. that, that sits behind that that riff and it comes back uh, a couple of times later in the song. It's a longer song, so again, we and a little bit more light and shade in this one. And I feel, you know, than, than we heard in the first few tracks on the album. Tempo changes, little hints of groove here and there. So a very interesting song overall. Excellent. And, uh, you know, track eight, we're starting to think, mm, are we going to get any filler on this album? But certainly not here. I think this is... Not just not filler. I think it's one of the better song, songs on the album. I don't know what you thought. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Uh, I think that this again is uh, I. So was it this album? I couldn't remember if it was. I read something early on when we first started listening, and now I don't remember if it was this album or the second album where Max was just like, "We're just we're just going heavy, no groove, just heavy." Was it this album that he made that declaration? Or maybe it was this one. Or may- yeah, it was one. I thought okay. it was this one, but maybe it was the previous one. Because uh, well, anyway, again, this is just like a great thrash song. 
Yeah. Just just a really great thrash song. Uh, great guitar solos, the tempo changes, pummeling kick drum, great growls and yells, and it's just driven by a solid, just sort of power chord riff. All the elements are there. Um, which leads us into track nine, Father of Hate. I, I guess my notes... Musically, this song, I, I really, I just, I didn't have much to add musically to this song because I was struck by the, I was struck by the story. So I'll start with musically again. I guess my, what I really just highlighted was the guitar solos. The guitar solos are fantastic in this song. Hopefully, you have more to add. <laughs> I wish I did. All I've written is, "Yep, it's a track nine. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, what the story of this song though? I was really interested. What is it? It's just, it uh, seems to be a message to, again to someone who he doesn't like, but. Beyond that, well, I it? think. Hold on. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I misread everything. Um, but he mentioned Salieri. Yeah. And I've never seen. There was a film called Amadeus. I think it won like Oscars. I think it was a thing. I think it was a big thing. Anyway, I've never seen that movie. And I and I think this movie is all about this relationship that this guy Salieri had with his pupil Mozart, and like he was Mozart's teacher. And this is like literally the story of the student becoming the master, right? And just sort of knocking Salieri's legs out from underneath them. And the theory is, is that the the teacher was so jealous of Mozart's sort of ascendancy to fame that Mozart died because Salieri poisoned him out of out of jealousy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I I never knew that story, and and as I was reading the lyrics, I kind of started following. I got I just I got lost in that story, and that was sort of what I wrote mm-hmm. about. Well, speaking of stories, the next one is um, <laughs> you're an English teacher. Oh yeah, and I'm sure at some point you've had to teach the Crucible, right? Shout out to Arthur. Miller. How many times have you done it? How many years have you have you taught that? I haven't. This is he's he's sort of uh, no offense to Arthur Miller, but he's kind of one of those dead white guys that has been worked off of the curriculum. But yes, in my early days when I first started teaching, there was a lot of Arthur Miller, whether it was Crucible or Death of a Salesman. Ah. Oh, I didn't know he was out of favor. I thought he was still being taught. He's he didn't do anything wrong. He's not been canceled, if you will. Uh, he just sort of he just kind of has been lumped into those sort of white guys that are being eased out of the the general curriculum. Ah. Oh well. Shakespeare's still in there, right? <laughs> yeah, Shakespeare's not going anywhere. Apparently. Right. Well, that, that's one thing. Um, now, I've not read the play or studied it or, or even what – I think there was a film. I, I know very little about it other than I believe it's a – It's really good. Uh, you should definitely read it. Okay. The the book is good or the play is good. The play is good, And the, yes. there was a recent film or in the last 10 or 20 years or something? Oh, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Um, now, my understanding is it's about – the Salem Witch Trials, mm-hmm. but I I also understand that he wrote that as an allegory for what was happening in the US at the time with the sort of Reds Under the Bed communist um, yes. witch hunt. McCarthyism yeah. and, yeah, all of that fun stuff. Okay. Yes. I wonder if Sepultura or, sorry, I want, <laughs> there's a Freudian slip, I wonder if Max... I wonder what his interest in the topic is and whether there's some sort of modern day equivalent that he's that he's writing about here or if he just thinks the crucible is a cool thing to write about. I don't know. Pure speculation. 
But um, I, I do like the riff here. And this one is the one that features Nate Newton's vocals more than any other. I think he was in one of the earlier songs or, or two. But here we get him singing the verses. And we, he also gets a big look in with his bass here. So it, it's soloed briefly throughout the song. So uh, I know he's just a guest and, and I haven't seen the lineup on the next album. You know, he may be just a one album wonder like their other bass players have been but i really like his his uh, contribution on this song and i love the contrast between the two singers so that i thought was um, the highlight of this song um i thought maybe for a for a last track on the album this one perhaps ended a little suddenly i'd like you know when the last album you, you kind of that's where you expect maybe a little bit of an extended outro or a coda or something just to, to take us out but we didn't get that on this song so that would be my one criticism of an otherwise enjoyable song did you like the crucible i did i if you to your point that you hadn't read it i will say this song does a pretty good job in summing it all up in three and a half right minutes. oh i don't need um, to read it now it's it's missing some of the emotional drama there's a bit more there with samuel paris abigail williams and john proctor but this pretty much ties up this the storyline if you if you if you needed crib notes or spark notes this is uh this will do it. um yeah agreed again the 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 bass does come through in this one in fact when we get to our uh band brown well this song kind of caused me some problems but i'll explain that later can, can i give a, a actually a, a bit of a spoiler alert about their bass situation for the next album Cause yeah tell know. me it's um the it's a different bass player. We'll have a fourth bass player, fourth album, but we will know this bass player. He will have been featured in in an earlier ah, band. Earlier Chris discussion. Kosnick finally gets a look in. <laughs> oh no, that would be amazing! <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing if we could get some atomic bitch wax up yeah. in here. No, uh, Arthur Rizik from um, I think he produced for. Power oh Trip. okay. Oh, he plays bass on the next one. Okay. Oh good. Yeah. I wonder yeah, if he does yeah, the production. Bass. Bass and synthesizer, and does ah, the good, 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 good. Okay, nice to hear. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, th then that's that's it. That brings us out of the uh, track. Yeah. Track. Well, there's two bonus tracks Did on you... my version. Uh, okay. Deus ex machina. Speaking of literature, it's it's probably something you're familiar with. In literature, the uh, the idea of the the Deus ex machina. Uh, that's one of the bonus tracks. And then there's one that's entirely in Portuguese, and I believe it's a swear word, the title. So uh, if any of my students are listening, please forgive me. But it, uh, the title is Porra, and uh, I've probably mispronounced it, and I've probably just sworn. But uh, it, What do you think it means? Uh, I know what it means, and, uh, well, you feel free to... I'm just, I'm just trying to think of what the... I have an idea. I know what the uh, Spanish equivalent would probably be. Right. Well, so, feel free to right, Google it, listeners. But I, I think it's sort of a, used as a sort of general swear word rather than, um, you know. A, Got it. Yeah. Um, now, that one's really cool. It, it, it's got... Oh, I just looked it up. No, I had no idea. There, I don't know what the Spanish equivalent of that is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but it's kind of acoustic and, and uh, with the tribal rhythm, so very much, and I'll, I'll say it again, very much rootsy, roots era. But nice to hear something in, in Portuguese, having lived here for you know, a couple of months now, in Portugal at least. 
And yeah, nice to hear some of those tribal elements. And that had me going back and listening to, you know, Itsari and uh, it didn't get me listening to The yeah. Pretenders. It got me listening to Roots era. Sepultura, <laughs> perhaps a more obvious link. Overall thoughts before we get into the band brown line, we should give our overall thoughts. You, know, you seem to be pretty positive about this one. You seem to enjoy it. I like this one. Yeah, I liked this one. It, well, the thing was, is what was hard about it was because I've, I've been, I mean, I'm not complaining here, but I've been busy. I've been really busy while we've been trying to do this album. And so I kept, like, I was just never able to, it wasn't until later, like, it was really hard to listen to because I kept getting interrupted and I couldn't, I couldn't be in t- as intentional about the listening as, as I, I need or want to be when I'm preparing for these. And it was kind of frustrating me. Um, but some of what I was busy doing involved me having to take train rides across Japan to get from point A to point B. And so it was perfect to just kind of strap in and while I was sitting on a two and a half hour train ride to just listen. Yeah. Well, you got five um, listens. I did have time. like time. Yeah. I had time that was like carved out for it. And so I really liked it though. Mm. I did like it. Yeah. Uh, I'm fascinated by this word. Sorry, I don't mean to go down this rabbit hole, but there are four Brazilian or four Portuguese meanings of this word that are so vast and different. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have to now I'm so curious to know which version of these he meant. I'm I'm gonna have to wait. Because there is just like the casual the casual one, which would be just like, yeah, but then there's an, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe uh I might wait. I might ask one of the teachers at school rather than one of the students. Given given one of the interpretations of these, I would uh, ask a teacher you know well. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, my thoughts on the album. Um, I think this is this isn't just more of the same. There are some new ingredients here. There's a little bit of electronica here. There's some new vocal effects and a lot more wailing and. and from from Ritzer, so some extra layers in the guitar, some great songs, and some and you pointed out Max is just the, he's just the riff machine, and it continues on this album. This nobody seemed to like this. Have you read the reviews of this album? It, people seem yeah. to hate it. Well, not hate. They did. Hate's too strong a word, but it wasn't well received, and I I don't get it. Uh uh-uh. uh yeah, I don't either. I I think I liked it better than the second album, to be honest with you. I think we're very spoiled as metalheads. I I mean, when we've now got forty years of of metal basically to listen to, and I I think you know something like this comes along, and you think, oh, it's not as good as this or that. You just have on face value, and and if this had come out in nineteen. 89 or, or 1991 or something, this would have blown people's minds. But I think these days, uh, I don't know. I feel like people have just become a little blase about what goes into an album like this and just how, you know, and, and maybe it's just because of the way we do it and the, the fact that we do take the time to, to sit and listen again and again, that you go, hang on that, that, that's amazing. Or that solo that you might notice on the first or second listen. It's like, wow. So it's also, I guess, you know, and the fact that they deliberately try to eliminate the groove 
I guess that at times makes it a little bit of a relentless listen and it, and maybe that's a bit too much for some, but I don't know. Like I thought it was fantastic. I mean, if I had to take a point off as a very harsh judge, it might be the production. It's not quite as crisp as um, it certainly is the previous album. And I hope this, the next one, Now I'm encouraged knowing that uh, Mr. Risk uh, is involved in the next one that the production might go back. I, I think these days, I think part of the problem with the production is there's just so many layers that it just starts to become a bit muddled at times. Perhaps they needed to just strip right. strip it back here and there. I would have liked it, the drums in particular. I, I think this is an incredible drumming performance, but I feel like it gets lost a little bit under all the other layers of, of instruments and vocals over the top. And I, I think the drumming should be front and centre on this album. So you kind of have to seek it out, whereas it should, like, to me, that this is an outstanding. I know you've, you, I know where your brown low votes are going, I think, but you can probably guess where mine are going. But unfortunately, I just think it got a little buried, just had that incredible drumming performance on this album. Got, you have to really hunt for it at times where it should just be knocking you, knocking you over. Right. Well, you had mentioned being um, excited about the production of the next album. I will say that a, a buddy of mine who, who, uh, longtime listener, no time caller, um, he uh, listens to this podcast. This is where I was getting off of that. And uh, but he he sent me a message when because he had been listening to kind of what we were doing here, and it was just that he had been listening to Psychosis, and he's like telling me how he forgot how awesome the album was, and I'm like, ooh. Nice. So I'm ready. That's the next one. So I think, I think the next one's going to be. Yeah, the next one will be will be great. I got a good feeling about. I'm sure I've got a good feeling too, and I've got it on the way. I've ordered it through Discogs. Um, so it's coming. Someone in the UK, I think, is shipping it. Shipping it. I feel like Discogs always comes up in my search for physical media, but I've never lived anywhere where they where I can actually get it. Hmm. they don't, I guess there's, yeah, you'd probably find some Discogs users in Japan. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. But yeah, looking forward to that. Um, all right. Well, let's, let's get to Bam Brown. Let's do it. All right. So I'll go ahead and start it off. The, it's that one, that one, the bottom pit position here I struggled with. I, I did, I did want to give it to um, uh, Nate Newton. Uh, who just kind of jumps in, you know, first time with the band. Well, only time with the band. Uh, jumps in, gives us some vocals, gives some really cool bass riffs, does get that bass kind of out in front, <clears throat> maybe in a way that some of the other bass players didn't necessarily have that opportunity. But I can't not... I just I can't not have Max in the top three. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, Max has my, my, my one point there. Um, my two goes to Igor... Uh, the drumming, yeah, you're right. Not up, not as front and center as should be. Probably not his fault. Um, but my my three has to go to Rizzo. Rizzo, I think that uh, he's just he's all over the south. Like he, he layers and colors this album. Yeah. Um, I, I'm. I mean, you can guess where I'm going. Wonder Max for the same reasons, and, and Nate was unlucky to miss out. I loved his contribution. Um. To, to Rizzo, 
who was so unlucky. It's hard to think of a better, a better combination of guitarist and drummer. And um, yeah, I'm not going to take points off Igor for the production. I'm I'm, I'm going to give it to him. <laughs> this is incredible. He's still one of. I still think he's my favorite metal drummer ever, and I think he's been pushed even to his limits on this album. There, this is um, this is brilliant, and he's still got it, and he's uh, proven himself to his brother that he's still got it too. And uh, yeah, well, well done, well done, Igor, and well done to the whole band. I thought this was a, a very enjoyable album. Yeah, no, agree. But I am, I am looking forward to the next one, and the next one will be—it's the last Cavalier conspiracy that we have so far. Yeah, anything. I don't I know if there's heard, anything else in the pipeline. I haven't heard of anything, and and because I know Rizzo now is leaving or has left the band, and that might add further, give us a further weight. Well, and the the brothers are doing like this. Um, aren't they on some sort of like classic? Sepultura tour? Yeah, they seem to be. Which... Like, were they kind of... Mm, Roots era, Sepultura. I guess yeah. they've got to make money. I, you know, the heart, the reality of the world of life is that you got to give the fans what they want. And um, for me personally, I, I think there's much more value in, in continuing with this new stuff, but it just doesn't seem to be getting, for whatever reason... Certainly not a lack of quality, but it's just people, I guess, metalheads, maybe they get old, they get, they're sort of nostalgic, they want to hear Roots again and and some of this incredible new stuff like this album. Not that this is that new anymore, but it kind of gets lost in the wash, unfortunately. Um, the band is still listed as being active and together. It's just the only members are Max and Igor. Right. Well, the bass is always a, a moving yeah, feast. Right. But yeah, uh, it'd be interesting Mark to see. Definitely... Big big shoes to fill, to say the least. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting that he's still in Soulfly. Checking to see if that's what I'm checking to see is he's still in Soulfly. Mm. I guess you know what I never realized that Mark Rizzo was in El Nino. How did I miss that? I didn't know that either. In October of 2021, he returned to El Nino, mm. where he he was the original guitarist. <laughs> Oh, he left Soulfly. Hold uh, up. Yeah, he left Soulfly and Cavalerican's Ah, uh, Okay, that sounds like a falling out then. If he's left both bands. It, it definitely was a falling out. He said in an interview, he got no support from Soulfly during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, I was doing home renovations, working hard 10 hours a day. A Soulfly Live record came out. I never saw a dime damn. of that. Damn, damn, damn. So basically within within the first six or seven months of COVID, I said, you know, man, I don't want this anymore. I gave you guys 18 years of my life. It was a great time. It was great. But the last 10 years have not been What good. a shame. Mm. Oh, well, I mean, you can't blame the guy. I mean, uh, and thankfully, we've got this incredible record of, of what he's laid out on this CD and, and the next one we've got to look forward to as well. So let's just make the most of, of his... Uh, of the catalog he's left us and um you know as i've spoken about i've still got to go back and, and check out his software stuff but um yeah really great guitarist and a great performance here what a shame he, he, they've uh, it's come to that never nice to to hear that sort of stuff mm. 
Hopefully you enjoyed this one, listeners. Uh, we certainly did. Love this album. Fantastic. And um, had a lot of fun with it. We'll, uh, we'll come back to this one again and again. Uh, this has been Unshuffled. I hope you've enjoyed it, uh, as we did. We always do. Nice to catch up, Scotty. We don't, you know, this is about as, as much as we get to chat, but uh, it's, it's always a pleasure. Uh, so, listeners, you can catch us in various ways. Uh, we've got our website, unshuffledpod.com, where you'll find the show notes from this and all our previous episodes. Uh, we're on Twitter, at unshuffledpod. You can email us, unshuffledpod at gmail.com. So, please do get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, you know, it's nice to know that people are tuning in and listening and, and joining us on the journey. Uh, as always, let's just a couple of quick thank yous. The music you hear at the start, and uh, you'll hear it as we wind things up here, is by a band called Seven Planets. The album is called Explorer, and the track is called Vanguard. A great sort of fuzzy instrumental stoner rock on the Small Stone label, a fantastic independent label with uh, many, many fun bands, including Seven Planets, so be sure to check them out. Be sure to stick with us too as we continue the journey with Unshuffled and um, as we finish with the last album, for now at least, let's hope they they push on despite losing the guitarist. Cavalera Conspiracy Conspiracy has been a lot of fun so far and we're about to hear what may be their best album, so be sure to tune in as we unpack that one. Scott, it's been a pleasure. Matt, thank you very much. Thank you, listener. Uh, this has been yeah, fun. Enjoy those trips around Japan. Yeah.